Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Crowded Booth Podcast. We begin our tour around the SEC, and you can see right beside me, if you're listening, we're going to hear his name here in just a second. Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show. Chris, first off, man, uh, pumped to have you on the program today, and for any South Carolina fans that find their way to this channel and watch this, you got to check out the Spurs Up Show, man. You do a great job, and we're pumped to have you on today. Bryce, I appreciate the kind words, man. Always uh, excited to talk ball. And, of course, we sit now under two months from kickoff. Before you know it, man, of course, we're just talking off air. SEC Media Days is in a week. And before you know it, we'll have fall camp and we'll get into uh, the preseason. We'll get to week zero. Before you know it, kickoff will be here. So, Bryce, again, I appreciate the opportunity and excited to chat with you. Uh, Chris is going to be live uh, today. Chris, tell the viewers, if they don't know already, whether you're listening or watching, where can they find your content and uh, where do you kind of uh, – and, and when? how often? How often do you yeah. put it out there? Yeah, so we're the Spurs Up Show. <clears throat> Excuse me, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I mean, anywhere and everywhere you can think you can get content, we are there. I host a live show called The Daily Crow on YouTube, which is a YouTube-exclusive show. Airs noon to 3, Monday through Friday, and we spend our first hour talking about the, the main topics of that day, whatever they might be. Second hour, we have a daily guest. And then third hour, we open it up for questions, comments, calls, what have you. We have callers call in. So it's a really, really good time, a lot of fun. And it's a lot of fun for not just Gamecock fans, but really all SEC fans and, and college sports fans or sports fans in general, man. We, we get calls from Florida fans, Texas A&M, Georgia, Tennessee, Clemson, sometimes trolling the show, sometimes wanting to talk ball, whatever. So it's a really good time. So, again, that's noon to 3 exclusively on YouTube. Our podcasts drop daily at 5 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, where you get your podcast. And, of course, that is under the name The Spurs Up Show. And, Bryce, we've also got some exciting things upcoming in the season, man. We'll have a Rowdy Rooster rundown every Sunday night, which is where we'll break down everything that happened in the football game that was. And then we'll be doing a post-game call-in show exclusively on our YouTube as well, after every single South Carolina football game. So, again, man, really exciting stuff coming in the football season. But anywhere and everywhere you can find your content, the Spurs Up show is where you can find it, either on social media, podcast, YouTube, uh, and everywhere in between. Well, I mean, you heard right there, folks. That's the one-stop shop for South Carolina content. Chris, let's go ahead and dive into this. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I've covered um, Georgia Tech, covered the ACC side of things, uh, you know, now I'm covering LSU for 24-7 Sports. Have this podcast where we talk based out of Atlanta, Georgia, where we talk obviously a lot of different things. And the, one of the biggest storylines last year was obviously what South Carolina did towards the end. And, and it's, you don't have to be a South Carolina fan to understand that. But I had, the question for me in this is if you had to take the temperature – of this fan base entering and look, it, it could it be a spectrum of, you know, where they sit. I mean, I watched some of your shows last week talking about predictions, reading some of the comments, <laughs> <laughs> where do you sit it kind of in the expectations maybe, and we're going to get into some of the nitty gritty here, but what's the temperature of this fan base kind of entering 2023? Yeah, Bryce, it's really interesting. You know, I, I would say that the temperature of the fan base, you know, I think things are at a fever pitch right now. And Gamecock fans are, are always excited for kickoff, right? I mean, one of the best fan bases in all of college football and college sports in general. I mean, every single year, no matter whether the Gamecocks are a preseason top 10 team or projected to win just a couple of games, Gamecock fans are always excited to get back into Williams-Brice and watch their favorite team play. So, you know, I, I would say anytime you have your starting quarterback coming back and a Spencer Rattler, you have his top weapon in Juice Wells, and you have what South Carolina did at the end of last season, right, with those two gentlemen. And, of course, Shane Beamer right now, he can do no wrong. The momentum they also have on the recruiting trail, signing a Nicholas Harbor in the 2023 class. I mean, I would say the momentum going into the 2023 season and the vibe around the fan base is, 
you know, is that a fever pitch? You know, I, I posed the question a couple of weeks ago, Bryce, because I think it's really intriguing. I said, was there more hype going into last season or this season, right? Because hmm. you had Spencer Rattler, but it was sort of an unknown. Juice Wells wasn't a hot commodity. And, uh, you know, most answered that going into this season, there is more hype, if you will. So, again, the overall mood of the fan base, I think, is excitement. I will say this, though, Bryce, what I think is so fascinating, I feel like the hype train for South Carolina actually lost steam a little bit from, let's say, January, like fresh off the season, fresh off the Tennessee and the Clemson victories and the showing in the Gator Bowl against Notre Dame. I feel like the hype train, I'm not saying it's still not running at a swift pace, but it lost a little bit of momentum just because of what happened, you know, <clears throat> in the transfer portal, losing guys like Jaheim Bell, Marshawn Lloyd, Gilbert Edmond, Jordan Birch. You picked up some nice pieces as well. But I think as we get closer to a season, Bryce, you know this, the question marks start to set. And it's almost kind of a roller coaster where it's like immediately following a season like 2022, you're at this high then we get in the point of the offseason, the preseason, where, okay, question marks are starting to settle in. And then we're, we get to about 30 minutes or 30 days, I should say, away from kickoff. And, you know, everybody's thinking we're going to go 12 and 0. We're going to win the SEC. We're the surprise <laughs> team, right? That's when that fever pitch of excitement sets back in. So, um, you know, I, I would say I think Gamecock fans are pretty realistic coming in a year three of Shane Beamer. I think the hope and expectations are very high that South Carolina can at minimum match last year's win total of eight and four, maybe even get to nine and three and be that surprise team in the SEC East. As you saw, Bryce, I've locked in seven and five for my prediction. I look at South Carolina going into this year. I'm sure we'll get into more detail, but I think because of the question marks, I'll be totally honest with you, Bryce. I think South Carolina was slightly, just slightly, but I think slightly was a better football team last year than they are this mm -hmm. year. When you look at questions mm -hmm. on the offensive line, when you look at running back, when you look at some things they lost on defense, not to say they can't get back to that eight win or even overachieve even more and get to nine wins, but I do think there are some serious question marks for South Carolina. So I think that's got Gamecock fans right now just sort of wondering, okay, what are we? Which, you know, to be fair, Bryce, is what a lot of teams are doing in the SEC that are not named Georgia, Alabama, LSU. It's like, who is that fourth best team in the SEC? Yeah. Is it Tennessee? Is it A&M? God forbid, is it Kentucky if they bounce back with Leary and Coe? Mm -hmm. Or is it a South Carolina under Shane Beamer, Spencer Rattler? And of course, all Gamecock fans know this is a pivotal year for Shane Beamer and company. We've all heard about year three being the launching point for a head coach in this program. And anytime you have a guy, again, like a Rattler back at quarterback, like a Wells back at receiver, you're going to be expected to do big things. So I think the excitement level is certainly there. I am someone, Bryce, that as I'm sure you saw, and my predictions were not the most popular, which I don't ever try to have the popular opinion. I just give my honest opinion. But it wasn't the most popular prediction, but I think 7-5 and five is about where South Carolina is right now, give or mm. take. Yeah, and that's here, and obviously before SEC media, a lot of things can change once we get oh, yeah. the season. Mm. So it kind of begs the question for me, when I look at this offense, you mentioned Rattler, you mentioned Wells. Um nationally and I think even around the SEC people saw some of the losses and people who are not really dialed into South Carolina football and this happens for every single fan base you know they don't they, they pay attention to the preview magazines of what happens with other teams but when they looked at it, they said oh are they gonna are they gonna slip a little bit and you have them slipping just a tad where do those concerns lie you mentioned offensive line but what are some of your biggest mm -hmm. questions maybe offensively or defensively that need to be answered if they're going to get past that seven win threshold 
Well, Bryce, to start, when you talk about concerns, I think we should start with the schedule because it's an absolute mm -hmm. gauntlet. And the way you start out this season, <clears throat> you know, opening up with UNC and Charlotte, going on the road to face the Georgia Bulldogs in week three in your SEC opener, you turn right around and face Mississippi State at home, which I think is the biggest trap game on the schedule. And I've actually got you losing that ball game because of that simple fact that, you know, early on, Dowell Loggins, 10-year new OC, coming off the Georgia game. I, I, I'm not saying, listen, if South Carolina beat Mississippi State, it wouldn't shock me. They have a better roster than them. But uh, that feels like maybe one of those typical South Carolina games we see where the Gamecocks stub their toe. you got to go to Knoxville early on as well. So it's a gauntlet early. So, Bryce, I think you've got to start and you got to look first <clears throat> at the schedule and just what the Gamecocks have to endure. Oh, by the way, again, you open with UNC, you close out with Clemson. So, um, you know, when you look at this football team specifically, though, offensively, defensively, the question marks, and it's so funny, we're starting on today's show, actually, talking about the offense. And I like to pose these hypotheticals, talking offense, defense, special teams, why they'll be better, why they'll be worse, right? Talking about mm. why there are reasons. Here are the reasons they could be better. Here are the reasons they could actually take a step back. And I think for South Carolina offensively, you know, the Marcus Satterfield experience in Columbia was – I don't even know if I have a word to really describe it fairly, but it was up and down to say the least. The Gamecocks now mm -hmm. insert new blood in Dabble Loggins, a guy who's never called a play at the collegiate level, spent some time in the NFL calling plays uh, at the professional level. But you have to think it can't get worse than what Marcus Satterfield did. They've said all the right things in press conferences. And obviously the Gamecocks, that last two-game stretch is what people focus on, Tennessee, Clemson. They'll try to do more of that in which, Bryce, they simplified. Simply put, yeah. they simplified. They went from like 22 personnel packages down to six or seven. They made things much easier on Spencer Rattler and the players in offense, and you saw it pay off in big ways, just letting your playmakers make plays. So it first starts offensively, I think, with Dabble Loggins. What is his scheme going to be? Again, either way, it is year one of a new offensive scheme. How long does it take for that to click? The offensive line, to me, on the offensive side is the number one question. You yeah. have two starters returning. Jalen Nichols, your best offensive lineman, got hurt in the spring game. He's probably out for the year. You've got 50 less starts returning in 2023 than you had in 2022, Bryce. And that was on an offensive line, finished outside of the top 100 in rushing offense. So there honestly aren't a lot of reasons I can point to and say that the rushing offense is going to be better. But maybe some new blood, right? We'll talk about that today, actually. Mm -hmm. Maybe some new blood helps the offensive line. You know, sometimes experience can be overvalued in college football where it's like, True. oh, yeah, well, he's a senior. Well, he's just not very good. I'd rather have the yeah. young five-star freshman than the old guy who's proven to me he's really not cut out for this level. So offensive line is going to answer some questions. What do you get out of running back, right? Can somebody step up there? Can the, the carry-on joiner have sort of a storybook finish to his career at that position? Does Mario Anderson, the transfer from Newberry, does he, he fill in? Juju McDowell, who's more of a scat back, can he – you know, fill in there. Who's going to step up at RB1? So if you can find somebody in the running game or just get enough out of the running game. Spencer Rattler cuts downs on turnovers. Juice Wells, he balls out from game one and emerges and shows himself as one of the most dynamic playmakers in the SEC. Potentially, and of course, again, simplifying offensively in a login scheme, you take a step forward offensively. Defensively, you know, I have my question marks there. You lose a pair of NFL draft picks at the corners. You do get Nick Emawari and DQ Smith back, both guys who were freshman All-Americans last year, freshman All-SEC, if you will, two of the best players in the SEC, I think, at the back end of a defense. Uh, up front, you know, Jordan Strong, you get him back from injury. Mo Cabot, linebacker, you get him back from injury. Linebacker should be a little bit better than it was last year. That's a big question mark there as well. You finished outside of the top 100 and stopping the run, right? You pick up Jotius Gear out of the transfer portal uh, from Syracuse. And also offensively, I forgot to mention, you pick up Trey Knox 
out of the transfer portal coming mm-hmm. over from Arkansas. That's going to be a big weapon for Spencer Rattler as well. So, you know, you look at the defensive side, some of the additions you put in place, and, and, and you add Travian Robertson as your D-line coach. Jimmy Lindsey is out to LSU, actually, which I think most Gamecock fans feel like that was addition by subtraction. Torian Gray, what he's shown coaching up DBs, you feel like the secondary will be solid again. So, all in all, Bryce, and then, of course, Beamer Ball. Beamer Ball to the moon. Special teams. Yeah. We have yeah. to mention special teams, and you feel like that's going to be an area and a facet of the game where a team like South Carolina, I said it the first two years as well, but it applies this year. When you're looking to overachieve, you have special teams is where you can steal a facet, you can pull some upsets, and you can take that part of the game. Before you know it, you flip a game sideways. So I think there are reasons on both sides. It's all about just, Bryce, do the question marks pan out the way you hope they do? I look at it this way, Bryce. Every season we go into, there's going to be some things that exceed expectations. There's going to be some things that fall short of expectations. And there's going to be some things that exactly meet our expectations, give or take, right? So what you're hoping is that these question marks, more of them exceed expectations than fall short. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And it sounds so simple, but when you're a team like the Gamecocks that has so many question marks, I think that's what it comes down to. Mm, Love that. Love that. When you mentioned Spencer Rattler, and obviously, look, I mean, outside of Oklahoma and South Carolina, folks, you know, watched the documentary as a kid, and you've probably gotten this question 500 million times, you know, all these different things about his talent and everything. But, you know, the connection that he has with a guy like Juice Wells, I mean, there's obviously a bond there, the growing relationship. And it's a question, too, you know, on the LSU side of things, we've asked, you know, about Jaden Daniels. Does another year with the comfortability. Now, he does get a new offensive coordinator, but what do you need to see out of him to say this kid is living up his potential and boosting the draft stock, which is going to be a big thing for him? What, what are some things he needs to clean up? You mentioned turnovers, but is it decision-making? Uh, what What is it? Well, and Bryce, I'll say this, too, to your point about the documentary. Spencer Rattler, by all accounts, was a great teammate last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought what was interesting is coming into last year, or this time last year, you know, we heard a lot about what's he going to be in the locker room? Is he a cancer? Yeah. He's selfish. And then – when he proved himself to be a good teammate in a season last year where Bryce, he could have very easily had poor body language, blamed his teammates, blamed the OC. I thought he did a great job of leading the football team. So I, I think that's something that needs to be recognized that did not do so because people want to judge mm-hmm. him off some documentary when he was 16 or 17 years old. The kid has obviously matured into a legitimate SEC or big-time college quarterback, and he's a leader as well and by all accounts, again, a great teammate. So I want to throw that out there. But for Spencer Rattler, Bryce – to take the next step. Yeah, I mean, I think it all comes back to consistency. And and you look, South Carolina led the SEC, Bryce, in turnovers. 25 of them. 12 Mm. interceptions, 13 fumbles. And Spencer Rattler had a lot to do with those, right? We've seen the best of him against Tennessee. Six touchdowns, no picks. We saw the worst of him in a couple games last season. Do you realize that Spencer Rattler threw more touchdowns in the Tennessee game than he had the entire month of October? You talk about inconsistency, right? So... I mean, I think it just all comes back to consistency. It comes back to decision-making. Spencer Rattler's a guy, you got to live with the bad. He, he's going to trust his arm, and sometimes he's going to trust it too much. But as you saw, like, in the Clemson game, I thought that was a great way. That's a great game that really symbolizes who he is. He's going to have some throws. He'll throw a pick in the red zone. It will break your heart. But then he's going to have some, the beautiful pass down the field, the 72-yard touchdown of Juice Wells, some of the throws he made in that game, putting his shoulder down and scoring the touchdown against Clemson. And you got to live with the bad to get all the good, right? So, but I think for Spencer Rattler, it's it's not so much about his ceiling, is it's it's through the roof, right? What did MJ say one time? The ceiling is the roof. The his roof. ceiling, you can't put a cap on it. Raising the floor, Bryce, for him, that's where I see his greatest growth. Because 
I'll take it to golf. What makes a PGA Tour player is not that their best shot is, is in the hole. Any 25 handicapper on a weekend can hit one in the hole, but it's about their misses. Their misses are extremely small. That's why they're the best at what they do. That can apply to every sport. For Spencer Rattler, it's not about raising his ceiling or anything like that. It's about shrinking those misses because last year at times, those misses were costly for South Carolina. So, you know, I, I equated it, Bryce, to like a professional golfer where it's like, you know, the thing that makes them so great is not that they can hit one in the hole, right? Any 25 mm -hmm. handicapper on a, on a weekend can hit one in the hole every now and then, but it's that their misses are extremely small. And that's what mm -hmm. makes them the best of the best, and that applies to any sport, right? What makes you elite is not that you can do it at an extremely high level one time. I mean, look at like podcasting. Anybody can drop one great episode. Can you do it consistently over and over and over and over again? So for Spencer Rattler, it's not about raising the ceiling because the ceiling, you can't put a cap on it. For Spencer Rattler, it's about shrinking those misses and being more consistent because those misses and that floor, it cost South Carolina more than a couple of times last season. Mm -hmm. I like that. And two, you know, kind of to piggyback off that, obviously Juice Wells uh, emerged as a big time playmaker and not and not that the he's not going to be able to do it this year. But I think a question that I have is, you know, defenses are going to focus on that a little bit more. Yeah. He's going to be a guy they take away. So, Chris, who are some guys that have to step up in that spot and say, look, we know he's going to get more attention. That's mm -hmm. going to leave opportunities for the rest of us. Who are some of those names that you're kind of hoping and maybe looking for? And Bryce, I think that's a great question because, you know, I, one of my greatest concerns this year, because everybody just wants to talk about Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, what they're going to do. And I, th and I think Juice Wells is prime, by the way, to have a great season because you mentioned last year, you know, it took him, I think, about half the season to to really get going and turn to the guy that, that we know him now as. I mean, we saw some flashes early on, but it wasn't until the last couple of weeks where you really saw his true, his true talent emerge. Uh, you know, one of my biggest question marks is can South Carolina find balance? You know, I mean, the, I keep going back to the offensive line, and it's it's not the sexy thing to talk about, the fun thing to talk about, but I, I probably talk about it as much, if not more, than anybody in South Carolina circles you'll find because at the end of the day, big people move little people, right? That's just it. That's what yeah. it comes down to, man. It comes down to line of scrimmage. But speaking specifically on playmakers, weapons, who are going to have to help out Juice Wells so he can reach his full potential this season. I think you first start out at wide receiver. Xavier Leggett's a guy who showed promise late last season. Had a one of the catches of the year, I thought, in the college football season in the bowl game against Notre Dame. He's a dude, a big-body kid, 6'4". You look at pictures of him, him this offseason, and I know it's best shape of my life season for everybody out there, right? Everybody's flexing, showing themselves in the gym, what have you. But Xavier Leggett is a guy that I think could really take a step forward, be a five or 600-yard receiver and really help out Juice Wells, take the pressure off of him. They bring in Eddie Lewis from Memphis. I think he's a guy that's going to be in that rotation early. They featured him a lot in the spring game. Amarian Brown, the former Georgia Tech transfer, has been seldomly used, but he's sort of a – he's a speedster for you, if you will. I mean, at the running back position, of course, DeCabrion Joyner, he can slide from running back to wide receiver. We've seen him play quarterback, of course. Uh, Juju McDowell, that scat back, he's another weapon that you saw him at times last year be really effective. The tight end position, we mentioned, Bryce, that is going to be that safety valve. You know, and it's no disrespect to him, by the way, but I look at Trey Knox this way. Trey Knox, I think, is going to be – what Carolina fans hoped Austin Stogner was going to be, right? Because he mm -hmm. never really lived up to, I think, the hope and the hype and the expectations. I think Trey Knox has an opportunity to have one of his best seasons ever in college because you look at Arkansas, he was a solid player, but here's a fun stat for you, Bryce. Trey Knox has not caught a touchdown pass against a Power 5 opponent since October of 2021. I think that wow. will change 
very quickly this season. They also brought in Joshua Simon from Western Kentucky, a guy they are really high on. They completely flipped that tight end room, and Dabble Loggins loves to use the tight end. That was his position actually at Arkansas, so he was actually Trey Knox's position coach at Arkansas, so you think that they will definitely use the tight ends as well. So those are just a couple because I do agree with you, Bryce. One of the biggest question marks going into the season is, who is wide receiver too? Because to your point, if nobody else steps up and there is no running game, well, I mean, these are SEC defensive coordinators, man. I mean, he's going to be able to get his every now and then because he's such a great athlete, but they're going to bracket him. They're going to double him. They're going to take him away. And Spencer Rattler is going to have to look to the other side of the field. And of course, hey, we speak on Rattler. That's part of his progression as well. It's not just locking in on Juice Wells and forcing the football to him. But for him to not do that, somebody else is going to have to make plays and get open. And, you know, it can't just be 10 other guys looking at Juice Wells saying, hey, can you go make a play? You need a bunch of guys on your offense fighting for the football saying, I want the ball. Let me go make a play. Maybe the freshman Nicholas Harbor steps up as well in the second half of the season or at some point in the season. So there are a bunch of names out there. You got to find some dudes going into kickoff, though. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to kind of watch and highlight those guys, especially. And like you mentioned, that schedule doesn't offer you a lot of time to establish <laughs> some things. It's it's hit the ground running. That and first I, and, I, and I tell you this, Bryce, not to cut you off, but you know what's interesting, too, about this, uh, just because I'm on a roll, what's interesting about this season for the offense New OC, right? You'd think there's some sort of grace period. Okay, new system. Let's get our feet under. I don't feel that way. I, I think the mm. pressure is on for Dabble Loggins from the jump because I I think, Bryce, people, Gamecock fans at least, they are expecting, they're saying to themselves, okay, Tennessee and Clemson, we simplified. We I say dumbed it down. That's a really harsh way of putting it. But we simplified. We made it easier. We let our playmakers go make plays. We are going to continue what we did in those last two games, do it the entire season, and we're going to go 9-3. and three. What scares me about that, Bryce, is I heard this exact same thing this time last year coming off the Dukes-Mayo Bowl win against UNC when you scored 38 points. And we all know, right, it's just not that simple. So there isn't a grace period for Dowell Loggins. you got to hit the ground running. UNC is a really, really big football game. A lot of this fan base would label it the most important game of the season, and if nothing else, it's going to be a tone setter. And uh, there was a lot of pressure, again, on Dowell Loggins to put all these pieces in place and make this thing click immediately. Yeah, I like what you said there. It's not a make-or-break game, but it is definitely a tone setter for the rest of the season, especially with that early season gauntlet you were mentioning. Uh, let's talk defense here. And it's a group that, uh, once again, was watching your shows uh, and you know watched the, uh, your guests with Mark Ryan, and y'all were going back and forth. And I think you ended up with, what, the same record, but yeah. just a really different after, way that you got after he After he gave me crap early in the season, <laughs> are you trying to reset expectations? Well, and, you know, he said that in, like, the first half of the season, but as you know as well as I do, Bryce – South Carolina, under Shane Beamer, they have been a second-half team. They play, yeah, which yeah. is the sign of a well-coached football team, but they play much better ball in the second half. But the problem with this schedule is you better be playing some good football in that first half or things can get really ugly early on. Well, they're going to need the defense, uh, no yeah. doubt about it. And, you know, one of the biggest question marks watching SEC football, and look, just the fact of the matter, you know what you're going up against uh, and, you know, the kind of the team that you have to beat to get there. you got to beat the team out of Athens. When you talk about the line of scrimmage, do you feel like that South Carolina is in a spot to compete on a consistent basis yet? Or is that something that's still growing to really compete within the SEC? I'll say Georgia's and, and maybe a Tennessee. But really, when you look across the whole conference, where are they kind of in the status in this Beamer era of building up this line of scrimmage, especially on the defensive side, to handle run games, to be able to get after the quarterback? 
Bryce, I think line of scrimmage woes, both offensively and defensively, is the number one thing holding this program back from taking the next step. And I will say this, Shane Beamer and company, they are working their tails off on the recruiting trail to fix that. If you look at the way they're recruiting, the signing class of 2023, the commitments of 2024, they are addressing that both offensively and defensively. The problem, Bryce, those guys are not on campus yet. Or the ones that are, are true freshmen. And you know as well as I do, playing true freshmen in the offensive line especially is not a recipe for success in the SEC. Now on the defensive front, to answer your question, Bryce, this year, do I think Carolina's in a position to compete with the likes of Georgia? No, I do not. I, I mean, Georgia's a different animal, right? Let's yeah. let's give them yeah. that credit. They're a different beast. I don't even think those South Carolinas in a, in a position in their front seven to do even like what a Mizzou did last year and, and give them a scare. Mm. I, I just don't think they're there yet. There are pieces that I like up front. You know, Tonka Hemingway on the inside, Alex Huntley, a defensive tackle. Again, I mentioned you've got Jordan Strawn back on the edge. Jotius Gear, the Syracuse transfer. Desmond Umiozulu is a true freshman that they feel really good about. I expect him to play early. Elijah Davis was the number one player at JUCO in the defensive tackle spot. Real big body dude that flashed in the spring game. So I think he's a guy that can make an impact. What they lack, Bryce, is depth. Right. I mean, you just know in this league from week one to week 12, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have guys banged up. Can your twos come in and give you just as much, you know, as your number ones did in regards to production? And I just don't think they're there yet from a depth standpoint. Here's something that's crazy for you, Bryce. Last year, Shane Beamer touted the Gamecocks defensive tackles as the best position unit on the entire football team. That yeah. defense finished outside of the top 10 in rushing defense. How does that happen? It, it, so the defensive tackles, and I'm not questioning Beamer, by the way. I'm just saying that the problems stopping the run, Bryce, are real. Five straight years, South Carolina has finished 10th or worse in the league in rushing defense. I had the late, great Brad Lawing on the show, Bryce, who tragically passed away mm -hmm. uh, about less than a month ago. Rest in peace, obviously. But I, I was fortunate enough to speak with him four or five different occasions. And after Shane Beamer's first year, South Carolina was top 10 in pass defense, I think number one in the SEC. You know what he told me, Bryce? He said, Chris, as a defensive coach, never brag about your pass defense because all you're telling teams is that you can't stop the run. Mm. And South Carolina has not been able to stop the run, man. 198 yards per game given up a season ago. Now, again, they've added some pieces to help. I think at the linebacker position, which has been an eyesore, I think, really since Sky Moore left – you know, Mo Cabo returns from Cabo and Strong getting hurt against Arkansas really changed that defense last year. Let's let's yeah. let's be fair. Yeah. But Cabo's got to show he's 100% and be that guy. Debo Williams returns, a guy that played a lot for you last year. He's solid. Stone Blanton, I think, has to take that next step. He was okay as a freshman. You definitely saw last year at times he was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Former four-star prospect out of the state of Mississippi. He's got to take a step forward. Jerron Willis, you pick up out of the transfer portal from Ole Miss. Former four-star prospect. He's got to fill in and be a dude for you. Puff Howard is a true freshman who people are high on. He needs to step up, right? So the questions on the defense, Bryce, all come down to me to the front seven. Can you slow down, not stop the run, not be top three in the SEC? Can you finish inside the top ten for the first time since, what, 2018 or 17 or something like that? Like, Can you slow down the run to give yourself a chance? And I think South Carolina is in a position where, Bryce, they're not to a point where they just can't stop anybody, right? I mean – I yeah. think one of the reasons you see the inconsistencies of South Carolina football over the years is because I, I really believe this, Bryce, when you have the deficiencies the Gamecocks have had on the line of scrimmage where it's like you've got some nice pieces, but you've got holes. 
You know, there's going to be weeks where it's a bad matchup. Take Mizzou, for example. People can't understand that Mizzou game last year. Mizzou is good in the trenches, man. They're nasty. Kentucky. Why has Kentucky been beating South Carolina? People, for the life of them, can't understand that. Kentucky's been nasty in the trenches under Mark Stoops, man. So there are moments where South Carolina, I think, gets exposed up front. But again, Bryce, to get back to it, answer your question, I would agree on the defensive side, too. That is the big question because I think the secondary – will be solid. You know, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very intrigued to see what Marcellus Dion or O'Donnell Fortune at the corners will be replacing Cam Smith and Darius Rush. I think the secondary is going to be fine. The big question is all about stopping the run or slowing down the run for the Gamecocks defense and Clayton White. Uh, and line of scrimmage, again, is the big question mark for South Carolina this season. Hmm. One thing I wanted to hit on before we get out of here is – you know, I, I've had a lot of – I've got some family lives in the Augusta area. They grew up some South yeah. Carolina fans. And I, and I tend to ask them this, especially when Beamer was hired. Um, you know, I've also got family that grew up Georgia fans and that that matchup between those two teams. But you've been around South Carolina a long time. There's no, tell, no doubt you've got a passion for them. When you look at what Beamer has done, you just kind of take the 30,000-foot view in this sense. You talked about the excitement. What has he done in terms of transitioning this program into maybe at some points an SEC afterthought from a national perspective? Uh, You know, that that can be harsh, but I think it's something that nationally people have looked at South Carolina Mm -hmm. as. But turning this into a job that, one, uh, is fun. I mean, look, there's no doubt when people look at what South Carolina has been able to do, especially towards the end of the season. uh, I've got it right here. They averaged 44 points Mm -hmm. and almost 460 yards per game over those last three games. This was a fun place to go play football. (laughs) When you look at this, how excited are you? Maybe kind of the, the fan aspect to be able to watch this and, and how much you think Gamecock fans are going to say, man, we, we really need to appreciate what Shane Beamer is yeah. doing here in Columbia. Well, Bryce, first thing, shout out to the CSRA, by the way, because I'm born and raised North Augusta, South Carolina. So I, I, <laughs> I feel their pain. I actually grew up probably definitely hating Georgia more than Clemson because my fandom started end of 02, beginning of 03, David Pollock, David Green, you know, all those guys. And so I I just had to watch and live through the years of Georgia constantly beating the brains (laughs) in of South Carolina and dealing. I felt like there were more Georgia fans than there were Clemson fans around me for some reason. So I know their pain, by the way, but shout out to them. Shout out to the CSRA. But, uh, you know, when you look at Shane Beamer Bryson, you mentioned it, man. He's made it a fun place, number one. And and, and I tell you this, like you really take a step back, 30,000 foot view. You really do need to appreciate what Shane Beamer has done because you think about the program he took over. I mean, this was a broken program under Will Muschamp. I, I'm not in more ways than one. Not just the losing, winning six six games over a two year period, 2019 and 2020. Not just the losing games, but broken on the inside, man. The culture just shattered. Right? There was no camaraderie. There was no teammates hanging out with each other. And because I've talked with guys that were on those teams and I've had those conversations, it was very just clicky. Go do your own thing, whatever. Shane Beamer came in, and I, I, I've said this many times, Bryce, but he gave this fan base and this program kind of a, a proverbial hug, if you will. Really, just something to feel good about, right? I mean, that was the first thing he did. You know, you, you look at, above all else, love your brother and brought that back. You know, South Carolina Bryce is also a very, very unique job, right, as we have the pup making an appearance, by the way, for those who aren't seeing it. Uh, it it's a very unique job. You need a unique person to be in this position, right? It's not an easy job. You look at the history. I'm not going to go through it. It's not very positive. But Shane Beamer, I think one of his greatest attributes is that he believes in what South Carolina can be, not what it's always been. And you have a guy that's seen it firsthand. He was on that 2010 staff that went to the SEC championship game in Atlanta. 
So for Shane Beamer, you know, there's no reason why he feels, there's no reason why the Gamecocks cannot get back to that. He's seen it firsthand at its best. He knows what that roster looks like. He understands what a roster, an SEC championship caliber roster looks like. And he can sell South Carolina on all those things I mentioned and more. Again, it's it's not an easy job. You know, I think you really have to be invested in it and love it to be able to sell it to the degree that Shane Beamer is doing and making it that fun place to play. Also, I mean, Shane Beamer is one of these coaches now, right? He's on social media. He's doing the fun stuff with the sunglasses at SEC Media. Heck, I'm sure they're going to have something next week, right? He's going to do something. <laughs> he's all over that, right? He, he's one of those new age coaches that, again, is a player's coach, fun to play for, in tune with social media, in tune with today's players. So, But when you really look at it and what he's done, Seven wins in year one, winning the bowl game over UNC. Eight wins last year. Back-to-back top ten wins to close out the season. Beating Clemson, which is something that I think most fans, honestly, Bryce, if they're being real with you, they said, ah, probably not going to happen until year four or year five because their roster is so far ahead of ours. But Shane Beamer has instilled a level of belief and I really feel has changed the entire attitude in that building of almost bringing back the Spurrier, why not us? Why can't we do it at South Carolina? We've done yeah. it before. I've seen it firsthand, and I'll show you the way, and now he's going out and getting ball players and convincing them of the saying, that, hey, you don't have to leave the state of South Carolina to be great. He's convincing out-of-state guys, hey, we're doing something special down here. You don't have to go to the Georgias, the Alabamas, the what have you. He's also embracing the transfer portal. He's embracing NIL. So he is doing all the right things to put South Carolina in a great position for the long term to have massive success. But, yeah, Bryce, just sitting here right now as we prepare for this season, if you really take a look at what they've done in the first two years, it is something really special. And I would say this, you know, we make predictions. We spend all this time in the preseason, you know, talking about it. But expect the unexpected when it comes to Shane Beamer and South Carolina football because what he has shown, they have an act of surprising. They have an act of doing things they're not supposed to. They have an act of overachieving. And so what's stopping them from doing that yet again in year three? It's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a fun season to watch. Before we get you out of here, got one more for you. You've already answered the two out of the three parts of this question. You've answered the trap game. Uh, you've answered kind of the uh, the tone setter. So I don't know how many games you get to a season, but what is the game that you are most excited to watch? And maybe is maybe a kind of a the benchmark for this LA for or for the South Carolina program. Yeah, and you mentioned it. Mississippi State, I'd say the trap game. Uh, UNC, the tone setter. I've labeled my most important game of the season, Bryce. I wouldn't say it's the one I'm most excited to watch. I'll get into that in a second. But the most important to me is the Florida game. Coming off the bye week, setting the tone for the second half, um, you know, and they beat you 38-6 to last year. Like, it's just one you got to have, man. On your home field, it's homecoming. And like you mentioned, you know, there, there are – I put that in the swing game category just because of what happened last year. But when you talk about SEC East hierarchy, you talk about what's going on in Gainesville – that's just one you got to have. And if you're going to reach eight wins, God forbid, nine, Florida's got to be one of those games, right? You, mm. you cannot allow a loss to Florida. And again, I think getting going in that game, setting the tone for the second half, because the second half of the schedule does set up, right? Every game in November is at home, Jacksonville State, Vandy, Kentucky, Clemson. So you could finish hot yet again, just like you did last year. Bryce, the game that I'm most excited for, that's a tough one because there are a lot of great games for so many different reasons, right? But the game that I'm most pumped to watch, most pumped to see, I mean, I got to go with the season finale against Clemson, man. I, I really do because I'm just so intrigued to see, has South Carolina completely flipped that rivalry? 
Are they able to make it back-to-back wins? You know, I've picked that game as a loss. I've documented it, Bryce. I've picked that game as a loss because I do believe in what Gibbert Riley will do with Cade Klubnick and that yeah. offense. And I think one of the reasons, you know, South Carolina could have won that game by two touchdowns last year, by the way. But one of the reasons I felt so good about Carolina last year, Bryce, was because I felt in the preseason, I know they have the better quarterback. Clemson's offense, yeah. I think, is going to be a deficiency. I don't feel that way this year. Like, Clemson's quarterback is not going to go eight for 29 again. It's just not going to happen. So, yeah. South Carolina still could very well win that ball game, but it might have to come in a different way, right? So, um, I, I would say that game, though, because I tell you, Bryce, you know, I, I didn't label that my key game or my, my most important game, but I tell you this. Early on in the Chamber tenure, when you're winning in this seven to eight win range, even nine win, but if you're not winning the conference, you know how you can really put that exclamation point on your season and convince your fan base things are going well and keep the spirits high? Beating your arch rival. I, I mean, we've seen it everywhere, right? Yeah. Like the, the goodwill that builds and in recruiting, I mean, all across the board, positive momentum. And Clemson still looked at a program that's a top 10 nationally program. Heck, they might be 10 and 1 coming in that game. If you can win that game and make it back to back, that would be huge for Shane Bieber in year three. So that's really the one that jumps out to you. I mean, Bryce, there are others too. I mean, that game at Tennessee for obvious reasons after last year is one that I'm, I'm just really intrigued to see how the volunteers respond, what South Carolina can do. And there are many others as well. But I, I just, I got to circle that Clemson game. And I mean, I, I'm excited for all of them, but that Clemson game to me is just so intriguing. Is South Carolina and Shane Bieber starting to turn the rivalry or does Clemson revert back and get their revenge at Willie B? Going to be fascinating to see in November. Well, and I have to say this too. I've been to one game at Willie B, and uh, man, one of the most underrated atmospheres. Yeah, and uh, that, I've ever seen. that will probably be the best atmosphere of the season, especially if that's a night game. I might have to change my pick, right? If I if I knew what time <laughs> kickoff was in that ball game, heck, my pick might be the opposite. I don't know. Well, it'll be fun. Hey, you do see? I know. I know you got a glimpse of it. The, the Georgia helmet over my shoulder. It's a Vince Dooley signed football. Everybody can appreciate Vince Dooley and the legend he was. But, yes, I was up there. I think it was 2012 in that amazing game wow, between South yeah. Carolina, and that was uh, an unreal atmosphere. But, hey, Chris, the moment I knew I had to have you on the show to be our South Carolina person was when you said last week, I was like, I knew I made the right pick, was when you said, hey, just because Garrett Riley didn't come to your school doesn't mean he's a bad football coach. And I was like, hey, he speaks the truth. Absolutely speaks yeah. the truth. And I, I love what you said with that. Yeah, I, I just, you know, the one thing I don't like is, is, and I try to not do it myself, but I, I don't like being hypocritical. You know what I mean? And I don't like seeing college fans be hypocritical, right? It's, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where like when you talk about, you, you know, we're going to talk key departures today from last year's offense, this year's. And I'm going to mention the name Jaheim Bell. And there's going to be Snicker. He wasn't that good anyways. Marshawn Lloyd, he wasn't that good. You were praising this guy as one of the best in the conference last year. So, mm -hmm. Come on. And then the Garrett Riley thing, man. I mean, I, I've said it openly and admittedly. Right now, I'd still trade for Garrett Riley. He's a proven commodity at the college level. Dabble Loggins may be better, but I have no idea. It's yeah. not about not trusting Shane Beamer, but it's just about I got two resumes in front of me. Which one am I going with, right? So, like, Garrett Riley, if he came to South Carolina, Gamecock fans would be saying he's the best OC in college football. But now he goes to a different school. It doesn't even have to be Clemson. He goes to a different school and he stinks. Like, I just ain't buying that, Bryce. So, Gamecock <laughs> fans get pissy at me when I say stuff like that. But it's just the truth hurts, I guess. I don't know. It does. It does. Chris, I appreciate your time, man. Once again, let people know where they can find you, YouTube, social media, and mm -hmm. uh, kind of that daily schedule you got. 
Yeah, social media at the Spurs Up Show, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I mean, we're even on TikTok, man. Sometimes I like to act out on TikTok a little bit. Uh, our daily live show is exclusively aired on YouTube, noon to three, Monday through Friday. And again, it goes by the name The Daily Crow. Play on words a bit. Uh, we do take, again, questions, comments, and calls. So I'd love for people, if you're hearing this, hey, Give us, a, you know, give us a call. I, we love to talk ball. It doesn't have to be South Carolina, SEC, what have you. Love talking ball. Um, we do have a website, thespursupshow.com. We have a store, tsus.store. We drop Beamer Ball stuff, Beamer Ra all, all, all kinds of stuff, man. It, it, it's a really good time. And uh, the podcast drops iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts every single day. Bryce, I appreciate the opportunity, man. This was a lot of fun. Let's definitely do it again soon. And uh, best of luck to LSU this season, man. Yeah, look, it's going to be a fun year, an interesting year in Baton Rouge. Hey, LSU, by the way, yeah. I don't know if you saw my picks. They're my pick to win the West. So, it's not out, and it's not completely, you know, uh, out of the water to say that. <laughs> I like, I like what they, I like what they got going on. Chris, yeah. appreciate your time, man, and uh, we'll definitely get you on again. Bryce, I appreciate it, man. Let's do it again soon.